Well, good morning. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? I'd rather be here than Vice President of the United States of America. I love this church. Amen. I thank you for being here this morning and being a part. And uh, man, I, I want to just say congratulations to Scott Mitchell. Went into the Hall of Fame last night here. Amen. I want to join. It's always great to see uh, the people of God out in the, in the, in the, in the world. Because, uh, folks, that's how we're going to change this world. That's how we're going to reach others with the glory of God. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 is where we'll be looking at this morning, beginning down in verse 10, Mark chapter 8. Thank you for praying for Becky and I. We were in Colorado last week for a little rest. And uh, after two days of Jeeps riding up and down the mountains and a day of razors and a day of uh, whitewater rafting, we were just thankful to get home and not be broken up. Uh, so thank you. Your prayers mean a whole lot. Somebody quit praying last night. I don't know who it was, but uh, we landed in Dallas at 8.45, supposed to be picked up the shuttle at 10 minutes to 9. Everything was on schedule. At 10.35, the shuttle got there. Uh, so I don't know if God's trying to teach me patience or boldness. I'm not sure. I've tried the boldness before and it failed, so it may be patience. I'm not sure. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 10, but I am thankful to be here with you this morning. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient Word? The Bible says in verse 10, Straightway he entered into his ship with his disciples, came unto the parts of Dalmanthana, and the Pharisees came forth and began to question him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Father, thank you today for just the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Thank you, Lord, for uh, bringing Brother Aaron and family back safely. Uh, and what a joy to have them back. Thank you, Lord, for just the, the, the presence of each one who've come and taken time out of their day. Lord, I, I realize that there, there may be a lot of people here today that are here because they know they ought to come to church on Sunday. But, oh, God, I pray you'd move in a way today that we'll never forget, that we may leave this place saying, this sweet, sweet spirit, it's in this place, but it leaves as we leave also. Would you speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus? Hide me behind the cross. Let people see you, hear you and then respond to you. We'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I remember at 60 years ago as a kid growing up, my daddy would always tell the story. We would be going to, to my grandmother's house, and we would take Highway 294 between Elkhart and Fairfield. It would connect over to Highway 79 and 84. And... Uh, uh, at the, right at the entrance, as you were coming back home, there, would be, there is an overhead pass, narrow and very low, almost like the Green Street Monster. And he would tell the story. Now, this was 60 years ago as a little boy, I remember, of the truck that got stuck under the uh, overpass. 
and they couldn't get the truck out. They tried, tried, couldn't move it. And finally, I mean, the big crowd, it's out in the middle of nowhere on the Trinity River down there, and the big crowd had gathered around there, and, and this little boy said, uh, Officer, I, I know how to get that truck out. And the guy just, you know how we'll do. He said, Officer, I, I tell you, I know how to get that truck out. And the officer said, All right, son, tell us how to get the truck out. Just frustrated. They'd been there over a half a day. He said, Let the air out of the tires, and it'll come right on out. Now, you know from that story, I would tell you there's two things I deduct from that. Number one, it's easy to overlook the obvious. I don't know if that happens to you. It happens to me a whole lot more now than what it did 20 years ago. I mean, I'll, I'll be looking for the salt. and it's, I mean, it ain't nowhere in that cabinet. My wife finds it right there in the bottom shelf. I don't understand that. It's the obvious. Uh, staring you right in the face. But the second thing that I draw from this is that wise people learn to pay attention to signs. Wise people learn to pay attention to signs. Uh, they're important in the physical world. I, I've, I've missed some turns because I didn't pay attention to signs. One of my ones that I've, I've missed more than I've missed a lot is when Interstate 20 goes into Highway 175 and 635 all come together. I know which one I'm supposed to take, but I always get nervous trying to dodge that traffic and I take the wrong exit. The sign up there big as Dallas. Uh, maybe you've missed some signs that uh, show that you were speeding. I've missed some of those. <laughs> I, I've seen some and I went ahead and done it anyway. I just confession good for the soul so there are a lot of signs in the physical realm that are very important but let me tell you they're just as important more so in the spiritual realm than they are in the physical realm there are some spiritual signs that we need to pay attention to and uh, these folks here they're a group of people who missed all the signs they get in big trouble because they're not paying attention to the signs now we're finishing up uh, the gospel for 21st century America, and we'll, we'll finish up next Sunday, going back to the very basic again. But uh, today I want us to think about don't miss the signs, because that's important in the gospel, if you miss those signs. I see, first of all, there's a firm mandate. Jesus has just finished one of the biggest miracles that he ever did. He took five loaves of bread and two, loaves, uh, two fish, and he fed over 5,000 men plus women and children. And they had leftovers. Nothing better than good cold fish left over. I mean, they had leftovers and all that. And, 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 and as soon as they uh, finished with that, according to verse 10, they immediately lived by ship, go to another part of Israel. As soon as they get there, they're met by the Pharisees. Now, you remember the Pharisees were the religious conservatives of the day. In fact... Many would say probably the conservatives that we have today, many of them are a lot like Pharisees. They were the religious conservatives of the day. And the Bible says when they arrived back in the Pharisees' neck of the woods, they came out to meet him. In verse 11, they began to question him. That word question in the Greek is a word that means dispute. It means argue. And in the tense that it's in, it's not that they just said, hey, 
uh, we don't agree with this. They kept hammering it and hammering. Anybody ever get nagged like that? I mean, just over and over and over and just keep on. And they're nagging Jesus and they're questioning him. They're arguing with him. They were tempting him is what the Bible says. I mean, after all, if he is God, surely he could show him a heavenly sign. I mean, that would be in order. They've had it in the Old Testament. They've studied that. <clears throat> they knew all about Joshua, uh, how he commanded the sun to stand still, and lo and behold, it did. They, they knew all about Samuel. He prayed for a, in a battle, and man, God sent the thunder, took everybody by surprise, killed each other, and they come out the victory. I mean, every, every one of them knew that Elijah prayed that it would not rain, and he's somewhere in this building today for three and a half years. And it didn't rain. And then he prayed it would rain. And it rained. Elijah's also the one that they had the altar there before Baal and, and, and the Lord there. And after Baal's men got through, they doused it with water three different times there. And Elijah prayed, and fire came from heaven and consumed the altar, wet and everything. Hmm. Others had done all those things. But you see, what these men were trying to do was to get Jesus to make a promise that he couldn't deliver. And I want to tell you, he's not going to do that. My God is able. He is able to deliver you. You young people won't know that, but that's a good old song. He's able to deliver. He's able to do anything. You're not going to get him to say something that he cannot do. Now, they're trying to get in, to tempt him and to, and to back him into a corner, but what they're really saying is, you have to understand this, they're saying that all of the miracles that you've done unto this point, all of the powerful things that we've seen you do, that's insufficient for us to believe that there is a God. I was thinking about that uh, this week in Colorado, watching the mountains and the, you know, I mean, just nature itself. And I thought, you know, you'd have to be a blithering idiot to think this thing happened with an explosion. I mean, you, you know, that's just, that's the height of ignorance. Good. I better get off of that. The miracles that these people had already witnessed. They'd seen Jesus heal the sick. They'd seen Jesus cast a demon uh, out, of, uh, out of a man. They, they'd seen... Jesus delivered people from bondage, and, and they seen him walk on water. They saw him calm the storms. They, they saw him twice feed thousands of people with just meager proportions, and he opened the Word of God. And what did they say? He spoke so well that in Mark chapter 2, they said, we've never seen it on this fashion before. Wow, we understand it. In Mark chapter 7, they said he had done all things well. And after all that, they say, give us a sign. Give us a sign. Well, the Pharisees had heard enough gospel to save the world. And they were seen enough proof to convince most of the stubborn uh, skeptics that there would be. You see, the problem is they didn't want Jesus to be their Messiah. Some of you in this place today, you don't want Jesus to be your Messiah. Because you understand when he becomes your Messiah, he's your Lord. And you're no way ready to give up your worldly life for what Jesus is going to ask you to do. Hmm? 
You say, well, if I had a sign. Now, I, <clears throat> I don't want to get in an argument because Dr. Tim Moore is a whole lot more educated than me. But I want to tell you, I want to emphasize. Now, he, he, he understands that he thinks people are going to be saved after the rapture. I think they are too, but I think they're going to be Jews. But he thinks others are going to be saved. But I want to tell you, the Bible says that God is going to send a delusion. And I want to tell you right now, if you can't be saved with the Holy Ghost of God powering around in this building, don't you think you're going to be saved when you get ready to be saved? I'm telling you, the Word of God, Proverbs 27 1 says, Today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable day. So I, I don't know. I, all I'm telling you is this. He may very well be right, but I wouldn't put no money on it. Not in my life. I wouldn't gamble on it. We've got Pharisees the same way today. They want to see something sensational. That's why folk want to follow the, the, the prosperity preachers and all. They want something sensational. Listen, get off your sensational emotional highs and get into the blessed Word of God. This is where the sensationalism is. This is where the supernatural is. It's in the Word of God. I, I thought about the heavens. Psalm 19 said, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth its handiwork. If you're a scientist now, and don't correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, I think I'm right. Our earth is traveling around its own axis at 1,000 miles per hour. Us old people want to know why we've fallen some. <laughs> thousand miles an hour this thing's spinning. Huh? It'll make you young people fall. Get clumsy. It's carried by the sun across our galaxy at a speed of 64,000 miles per hour. It moves in orbit around our galaxy at 481,000 miles per hour, travels through space at 1.35 million miles per hour. Every 24 hours, we cover 57,360,000 miles. Each year, we travel 20,936,400,000 miles across empty space. And everything we travel, all of this, is within a split half second. It's always right. And you want to tell me that it happened by chance. Hmm. Whew, what a mighty God we serve. My, my, my. The vastness of our universe. It takes a beam of light which travels 700 uh, million miles per hour, which is... In East Texas, that's 186,411 miles per second. It takes a beam of light over 100,000 years to cover the length of our galaxy and Milky Way. This is a big place, folk. This is not a three-bedroom house God created. This thing is big. And then... The smallness of it, the universe is made up of atoms. In the head of an ink pen, the head of an ink pen, if you 
put four soldiers lining up abreast, walking by you, there are enough atoms in the head of an ink pen to take them 20,000 years to march past you. You, you didn't hear what I said. You, you'd have had to say, wow! This is not normal. This is something created, and God created it. Consider the marvel of the human body. David says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. No two people in this world are alike. Over billions of people, no two fingerprints are alike. There are 7.5 trillion cells in your body, and nobody has the DNA makeup that you have. Out of billions of people. The fact is, that these signs and much more, we could go on, are proof that God exists. He's here. He's real. Young people, don't you let people tell you that God's not real. He's real. I don't, I don't. There are folk in here that can testify. Don't you think you're all alone and God's not real? Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 21. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in righteousness. And then he, he goes on down to verse 21, and he says this, because that, when they knew God, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You want a sign today? Let me give you a sign. Go back to Calvary. Go back there where Jesus went that final mile. He didn't quit short of it. He went all the way to the cross. You want a sign today? Go look at that empty tomb over there. He's not there. He's gone. He's alive. He is alive now and forevermore. He's alive. You looking for a sign to prove the claims of the Bible? Or just look around you. Look around at some of these people. You know some of them better than I know some of them. I mean, there's some people in here that walked in this church and people said, I don't know what they're doing here, but I, he ain't church material. <laughs> and yet, Jesus can change anybody. Wow. You see, changed lives are all the proof a person ought to ever need. In Exodus chapter 21, they were dying. God said, pick up the serpent, hold it up. When you look at the serpent, you'll be healed. They did. But you know what? According to the Word of God, there were some that were not healed. You know why they weren't healed? They wouldn't look at the serpent. There'll be some in this place now that will die an eternal life in a place called hell. You know why? They wouldn't look to the cross. They wouldn't look to Jesus. There is a firm statement that he makes here to us. And then secondly, there's a fervent statement. It's fervent. Look at verse 12. He sighed deeply in his spirit. Can you just say, why does this generation seek after a sign? I mean, he's amazed after all that they've seen, after all they've experienced there. You see, they were looking for a heavenly sign. 
And God gave them that. God gave heaven to come down here to earth, and they still wouldn't recognize it. They're looking for a heavenly sign, and he sends heaven to be down here in the middle of them. And they rejected him. Looking for a sign. Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. But when these men, if you remember, look at Jesus, he don't call him the Father. He calls Jesus Beelzebub. They call Jesus the devil. Wow. They had all these signs, and they failed to see the truth. Now, signs... Uh, uh, a couple of things about signs. <laughs> when a sign is given, people always want another one. It's like potato chips. One ain't enough. You've got to have another sign. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, when the man of God said, Lord, if you're really real, if this is really you talking to me, well, then I'm going to throw out this fleece. And you make all of the ground wet around it, but you leave this fleece dry. Bingo, in the morning, it was just like that. Well, now, Lord, if you're really Lord, I'm going to ask you tonight to make this fleece wet and everything around it be dry. You see, everybody always wants another sign. You're never going to make everybody happy. They're always going to want some other sign. Listen, you don't need any more signs. The second thing about signs is that signs don't save anybody. It's faith that saves you. Could I tell you this morning that Jesus is not in the sign business? He's in the salvation business. The other thing, as I've learned in my life, there's a lot of people that want to go by signs and fleeces, but when God doesn't answer it, they figure out a way to get around it. All I'm saying, if you're going to live by the signs, then you need to die by the signs. Hmm. Well, don't wait for that Damascus Road experience. You're probably going to wait a long time. Most folk don't get a dog and pony show like Paul had. Most folk just get under conviction of the Holy Spirit. And their heart's eating them alive. And they come and they say, oh God, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And there's not one thing I can do to save my soul. Because sin has separated me from God. So, oh God, I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. I repent of my sin. And the Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the gospel. If you're waiting on a sign, you could very well go to hell waiting on that sign. You could very well. I had a, a niece this week, Sherry Moore, that just died suddenly, 48 years old. Husband died about a year and a half ago. 49 he was. He was a preacher, school teacher. She taught school in Marshall. Hey, nobody expected that that day. Nobody expected that. I just want to encourage you. If you're here today, don't, don't miss the signs. One last thing and I'm through. There's a sad going away. Verse 13. The Bible says, and he left them. He left them. 
There wasn't anything else to do. He'd done said all he could do. He'd already done all he could do. The Bible says he left them. Mm. I don't know of any more sad words anywhere in the Word of God. Those men experienced the wrath of God's abandonment. I want to tell you, we can experience a lot of things today. But when a holy God says, I give up on you, I'm going to leave you. You say, preacher, I, I thought as long as I had breath. Well, you thought wrong. Genesis 6-3 says, my spirit will not always strive with men. I don't know if it's going to be today. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow. I don't know. It may be next year. It may be 10 years. I don't know. But I know you're gambling when the Holy Spirit has called you to be saved and you're saying, let, let, me, let me just wait a little bit longer. I know you're gambling, because you see, here's the deal. He said he left them. We got family. We got friends. We got coworkers, kids, parents, kinfolk that are dear to us. And we sit in our family reunions and we have a great time. But if the Lord comes into one of those family reunions, you're going to leave them. Have you thought about that? You, you're going to be, if you're saved, you're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. If you're not saved, you're going to sit right there. Sad words. And he left them. Let, let me encourage you. I... Man, these are our last days we're living in. Everybody recognizes that. If these are last days, then quit worrying about ticking somebody off. Because this question about salvation is an eternal question. It's not something that's going to, you know, do over again. You get one shot at it. Nobody goes to hell. I had a man a couple of weeks ago. Well, God, if the God's so good like you say, he can't send anybody to hell. God has never sent anybody to hell. Never. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's not a soul of us in this place today that we're not, we were not lost when we were born. He didn't send us to hell. He provided a way of escape to keep from going to hell and went all the way to Calvary for you and me. If you're still looking for a sign, let me give you three. One of them would be, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he that believeth not had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's a pretty good sign. John chapter 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, 
and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You say, preacher, how do I know if God's given up on me? Well, number one, the fact that you're even in a church house today is a pretty good sign that maybe he's not given up on you. And if you happen to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, you're pretty sure he's not given up on you. He's asking you today to be obedient to him. Imagine a traveler traveling down a highway. (laughs) I was reminded when I was thinking about this of the very first week that I was driving back and forth between uh, Port Arthur and here, that's 18 years ago. I, I was on Highway 69, and there's one bridge that scares me in life, and that's that Natchez River Bridge on Highway 69. It, it kind of does this, you know, and, and I, man, I want to tell you, I think the devil was sitting right on my, my uh, uh, shoulder. And he said, there ain't no, ain't no concrete on that bridge. Man, I slammed the brakes on that motor home and stopped. I got out, walked about, not halfway, but I walked a good way over the bridge, you know. I didn't have any of you. Well, I better hush, Phoebe. Is Phoebe in here this morning? Yeah. Oh, I didn't have any of y'all to test that concrete out. I got back in my thing. I mean, I inched across it. But say you're driving, and here's a sign that says, Bridge out over river. You come up to the next one, Bridge out over river. And you pay about as much attention to it as you do that sign that says, Right lane closed ahead. <laughs> and you just zoom through the roadblock and hit the river, and you're dead. You say, preacher, that's just foolish. Hello? Some of you have gotten sign after sign. You've seen God heal folk in your family. You've seen God do miracles financially that nobody else could do. You've seen sign after sign after sign, and yet you just creep, keep cruising down the road. Don't avoid the signs. Two special signs that you need to look at. And I'm through. Number one, the sign of salvation. If you need to be here, you need to be saved. If you're in this place today and you're not saved, let me just tell you, you are very, very not well bright (laughs) to walk out of this place without Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you're in this building today and you are saved, My, my, my. Some of you older folk can remember in those days when folk would come to the altar, people would be weeping, crying out loud for lost ones that they knew, called them by name. Didn't worry about embarrassing them. Called them by name. We're trying to do everything proper. Trying to do everything correct. And I'm telling you, we ought to be doing things that would please the Lord Jesus Christ. Every I was talking with a superintendent in a Christian school this last week. And he didn't know I was on vacation, but we were talking, and he's being sued because uh, in their bylaws that they have, it's a Christian church, and bylaws say that homosexuality is a sin, and 
if you're caught in homosexuality, you're expelled from the school. You can't, you can't, you can't come. You say, preacher, that's tough. No, no, it's not. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Transgenderism, homosexuality, all this stuff is the Word of God. I had a newspaper lady call, not, it's been a while now, wanted to know if I had an opinion on the schools and transgenderism. I said, no, I don't, I don't have no opinion. Who am I? I'm a little old dumb country preacher. She said, well, you don't have an opinion. I said, no, but I, I know someone who does. God doesn't have an opinion. God has a plan. It's sin. So you think it's wrong. Well, yes, ma'am, I do. But it really doesn't matter what I think. Kind of like that old bumper sticker. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. It don't matter whether you believe it or not. God said it. That settles it. This week, I got to close. Every once in a while, something good comes along. Amen? And this week, our Senate in Congress in Texas has passed a Senate bill. I think it's maybe 597. Somebody may know which one it is. Brian Hughes is the one who proposed it. Our country voted by Congress in 1950 to have a motto. 1950 was coming after World War II. And there were some folk around in 1950 that understood if God didn't intervene, we wouldn't even be a country today. And so Congress passed a motto, in God we trust. And Texas has passed a bill now that if a nonprofit organization, a.k.a. Woodland Hills Baptist Church, donates a sign of the motto, a school has to put it up in a prominent place. Amen? Now, I need about 10 or 20 bucks for everybody who clapped. Because we think to put posters all over East Texas. I mean, this is our opportunity. You, 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 people saying, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. You need to let others. We only have one motto. The motto of the United States of America is in God we trust. That's what it is. So I'm, I'm just telling you, I've already got one school that we're going to be in. Uh, you know, I, I said, I'll be glad to. I don't care. She said, well, you don't care what it costs. I don't care what it costs. Don't make any difference. Man, can you imagine letting our kids walk by a sign that said, who, God? God who? In God we trust. Now, I know it's going to be probably uh, into the courts and it's going to be uh, fought, but I tell you, we need to strike while the iron's hot. Get it in every one of them we can. I'm just asking you, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to give up the ways of this world. I'm not going to lie to you. The most miserable people in this world are those who have been saved and never totally surrendered. You've got just enough religion, just enough of Jesus to get them in the smoking section. There'll be two lines in heaven, smoking and gnawing. 
Huh? I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if he is going to say that, he's also going to say, not so good on some of these servants. I want us to be a church as a servant. Father, would you just let your spirit speak today? Lord, uh, I don't know what you want to do. All I want to do is follow what you want to do. I thank you for this church. I thank you for in the last years, this church has not backed down from the Word of God. And I know there are some people that think that's mean and cruel, but God, we're doing everything we can to please you, to try to bring salvation in Jesus to a lost and dying world. And you've already paid all of it. We just need to look to the cross. Would you have your way in these next few moments? Would you make this a different Sunday than we've ever had before? Many, many are going to be saved. Many at this altar. Lord, your name would be lifted up and praised. In Jesus' name. These altars are open. You come and pray. If you need a church home, you come. You need to be saved. You come. Would you stand?